Good morning. Nice day, isn't it? Beautiful. Uh, we have been um, we're doing a small program here, a small series in the morning here called Self Feeding Program, and we'll do this series again in the evening at some point, and we will do this a series like this probably year upon year um, with some of the same stuff, and it can be slightly shifted each time we do it. Before we um, go any further though, just a little thing, we now have a podcast uh, for the sake of putting our morning content somewhere online. Some people have been asking to re-listen or listen to some of the stuff we're doing in the morning because we know, you guys know, we put our evenings up on YouTube, uh, but our mornings are not. So the sermons will just be put up on a podcast there. Uh, If you're not into podcasts or you don't really get them, if you just type in the web address, that'll also take you to all the episodes up there, so bringwithbaptistchurch.podbean.com. But if you search for the podcast on the major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, uh, soon to be Google, you'll find it as well. We're getting fancy. We're getting high tech at this church. Um, And um, yeah, just say, yeah, a podcast is just a fancy word for a bunch of audio recordings. It's not much more complicated than that. Uh, so you'll be able to engage with the content that way. Uh, we've been doing this thing called self-feeding program. It has four premises that we'll keep repeating. And I've said in previous sermons, I don't mind repeating things that I think are important. I don't even mind if you're getting bored of the things I'm repeating. If, because if you're not applying them, then let's just keep repeating it. Let's just keep repeating. I mean, I often had this thought. Imagine there was a culture in churches that said, we won't preach the next sermon until we've applied the one we just preached. Imagine we did that. He said, no, 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 has anyone done anything about last week? Okay, then why are we preaching another sermon? What is the point of this, of gathering and accumulating and puffing ourselves up in more and more information? We need to get serious about obeying the word of God, don't we? And so um, you're going to find that these are things I've talked about. And you've gone, he's talked about this before. And one of the wonderful things you can be counted on is that, that you can count on is that I'll repeat it again because I think it's important and I've got no problem repeating things that are important. So these are the four premises of the self-feeding program that we will repeat again and again and again. That the Bible has made it clear what practices nourish our faith. The Bible has made it clear what practices build resilient faith. And if those things are true, if God hasn't been mysterious, he's told you plainly, do this equals strong faith then it is our responsibility to build those practices into our lives in a real, sustainable and clear way. The reason I've kind of used that language of build those practices into our lives is because I want to push us all, myself included, beyond the idea that God will find it acceptable for you to say, well, a church didn't organise it for me, so I didn't do it. That's, I don't think that flies. I think if you were in this room, if you've been a Christian for a long time and God has told you plainly, these things make your faith strong and you want to come back with, but nobody did it for me, I don't think that'll work. I think we need to build these practices sustainably into my life, into your lives, into the way we do our lives. And what I mean by that is if church were to stop, if Sunday mornings were to stop, if all the officially organized things about church were to stop, what would be left built into our lives that kept our faith strong? And if the answer is nothing, that's not good. It's not good, is it? Um, 
And, you know, even when I go through this um, preaching series, I go, wow, you know, I, I know I'm the pastor and, and, and I'm preaching and doing these things, but sometimes I neglect the most basic things that keep my faith strong. You know, it's right there. Jesus has said, if you do this, you'll be strong. If you do this, you'll be strong. And so we're going to just, in a very obvious way, look at these practices that God has said directly through his word. They will nourish your faith. They will build resilient faith. And it's all based on that last idea that the transformation of our hearts is something that God does and that we have a responsibility to partner with. That's the best way I've always been able to talk about the transformation process. And you can see this balance in scripture. So Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 to 30 says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, the Son chooses. Yes, the Son leads us as we yoke ourselves to him. But we still are told to come. We still are told to yoke ourselves to him. There's almost this sense of he leads, he, he knows the course, he takes us where we need to go. And yet we're told to somehow participate, to yoke ourselves to him. You see this balance in John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. It says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's no confusion about who the life source is, is there? There's no confusion about who does the growing. There's no confusion about who's the one that produces the fruit. And yet we are commanded to remain, whatever that means, or abide if you like the older translation. We, we have this part to play of intentionally remaining and staying close to what God wants to do in us. And I always find this fascinating. So this is a famous verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I find it fascinating that in the New Testament, it talks about this process where God transforms us. God starts a work and finishes a work in us. And yet at the same time, it tells us to be transformed which I think goes together really oddly. But there it is that God, the transformation of our hearts is something God does, but we can't get around the fact that we have a responsibility to partner with it in whatever way we can. And so the key question of this series is if God is ready and poised to transform you from the inside out, what key practices set us up to partner with him in that? Presuming he has work to do, presuming no one here is the finished article, presuming that if we were to ask the question, what does God want to work on in me? The answer for all of us would be something, right? That would be true. Um, if, so God wants to do work in you this week. What key practices are going to set you up to partner with what he wants to do in your life? And this focus on practices is something that I'll continually come back to. And it comes down to this basic idea um, this is um, the idea by John Mark Homer. He puts out that what we do on a regular basis forms our loves and our longings. 
What we love and what we long for doesn't just appear in a vacuum. We cultivate it by what we do. The haunting statement I like to throw at people is who you are right now. Your everyday habits have been perfectly designed to produce. Your everyday habits have, are perfectly designed to produce who you are right now. And, and that's haunting and that's a little confronting, isn't it? Like, that's, my habits are, are, are perfectly designed to produce this. Um, theology, philosophy, psychology actually agree that we are the sum of our habits. We are the sum of our habits. We are always forming in a direction. Another haunting way you can put it is you are always becoming someone. You're never static. You are always becoming someone. And an even more haunting question is, do you like who you are becoming? John Mark Homer, the guy who um, did a bit of stuff on this, his story is one was he was a very successful Christian pastor in a big church and he did not like who he was becoming. So he changed things. He says, you know, I've, I've, by everyone's standards, I'm doing great, you know, church is growing, lots of people, but I'm becoming someone I don't think is like Jesus. So something needs to change. We're always becoming someone. And when it comes to this self-feeding program idea, if God says a practice is fruitful and it doesn't feel fruitful at first because that's natural when we do something that's unfamiliar to us, let's say it's reading the Bible and you never read the Bible, of course the first time you read the Bible after a while it may not feel fruitful, it may feel frustrating, it may feel a bit dead and a bit distracted in what you're doing. But if God says something is fruitful, maybe we need to be a little bit like Peter when Jesus, you know, when he put the nets down in the water and, and he pulled it out and he didn't get any fish. And Jesus says, do it again. Okay, you get your bag. Because he says it will be fruitful. It will be fruitful. So today's practice, we're going to be talking about praying the Lord's Prayer. And I think for some of you, the lens I'm going to put on this is going to be a bit unique. Don't worry, I'm not going to say anything sacrilegious. I'm not going to be fired. Um, it's go but it's going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer with a bit of a unique lens. Because we're going to be looking at the idea that Jesus used his prayer to pray. That's so uh, Jesus used the Lord's prayer to pray. That's going to be my suggestion to you. I'm going to try and show you how that works. Um, and last week we talked about hearing and obeying God's word. And if you want to go back and listen to that sermon, we actually have a St. Clair Baptist version of that sermon up because I forgot to hit record. But on our podcast, we, we do have the first one up in the series up. Um, it's just me preaching to another audience. So whenever I say St. Clair, just imagine I say Springwood and it'll all work out just fine. Um, but well, last week you looked at hearing and obeying God's word. And it's that simple idea that Jesus had the goal to say to an audience. You guys know this, right? If whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like a man who built his house upon the rock. And the storms came, and did that house fall over? No, it didn't fall over. But I think the most confronting thing he says to the audience is what he says after, because he has the nerve to say to the audience, if you do not hear these words and put them into practice, you will fall. Wow. That's a real strong statement, isn't it? But, and, but you get the theme of what we're talking about, is that Jesus has told you plainly that if you hear his words regularly and put them into practice, you will not fall. That's a strong promise, isn't it? Really strong promise. And we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today. That's the practice we're looking at. So let's have a quick read through it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. First, he has this general teaching on prayer. 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I wonder if the, the main thrust of what he's saying is they got what they wanted out of it. They wanted to look holy. They wanted to look more special than other people. They got what they wanted out of it. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. And here's the part we all know well. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I know you would have had your experience of this prayer growing up. For some of you maybe older than me, maybe this was said in schools. Was this said in schools at some point? Probably in public schools? I don't know. I believe it was pretty prevalent in society at one point. You may have had it up on the wall at home. Um, what I'm going to suggest to you is another way of looking at this prayer is as a toolkit to help you pray. And I want to show you that perhaps Jesus used this prayer this way. So before I show you that in scripture we'll just have a look at how so this was given to me by a guy called tim ps this way of this lens of looking at the lord's prayer and then he showed me how jesus um, perhaps used it that way so this is how the lens which i approach the prayer that the different parts of the prayer are inviting us to lean into different attributes of god so our father in heaven you know leaning into god as father your kingdom come your will be done leaning into god as king give us today our daily bread leaning into god as provider Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Leaning into God as forgiver. Lead us not into temptation. Leaning into God as our protector. And deliver us from the evil one. Leaning into God as our deliverer. And when you look at those attributes, at any point in your week, you will need to be leaning into one of those attributes of God. Would that be fair to say? Like, there's not a time in your... There's probably a time in the year where you're really needing to lean into God as provider. A lot of people are under financial stress right now. There'll be a time when, you know, you're, you're really wanting something and you're feeling what God, wanting, might, might, whoop, what God might be wanting instead. And you might need to lean into God as king. Sometimes when I sit with the Lord's Prayer, I don't get past Father because I realise... How long has it been since I've just sat and meditated on the fact that he is my father and I am his child? And so we've got these different attributes of God. Now I'm going to come back to that, but I want to just show you, and this was really, really cool the first time it was showed to me. So this here on the right is Jesus in Gethsemane, a time of great duress for him, a kind of great stress. And I want you to pay attention to the structure of his prayer when he needs to pray. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father. So he opens his prayer the way he instructs us to open prayer, with referring to God as Father. Look at the next part. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That, really, that seems to connect quite closely with the second part of the prayer, doesn't it? He's, he's talking about his will against God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then look at this. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. 
So he's asking his disciples to lean into the last bit of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And then he goes away and he structures the start of the prayer again very similarly. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. So we have Jesus who has given us his prayer and he opens his prayers the way he instructed us to and then he leans into those things because he's at a point I mean isn't this one of the most human moments of Jesus that you find the son of God actually praying I do not want to do something but your will be done is that a zone? Isn't that a zone we all know? Like, I do not want to do this, but I know God is calling me to do it. And so Jesus, in his human, in his fully divine, fully human state, is feeling a tug of war with what he wants to do in his human self and what God is calling to do. And so he leans into God as king and says, not as I will, but as you will. And we have the disciples who are tempted towards sleep because they've been following Jesus into this crazy you know, this crazy few days in Jerusalem where, and it's full of high intense, you know, leading towards crucifixion and they are exhausted. And it's a time for them to pray, look, this is a time where Jesus needs us and we're just so tempted towards sleep. So we need to pray that we will not fall into temptation, that we will not be led into temptation. And so we see this amazing thing where the Lord's Prayer is being heavily referenced in this passage. And you could argue, so one of, the thing, one of the parts we didn't reference was the forgiveness part, but we know that Jesus on the cross leans into that part of the prayer. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So where it's, where it's all going is this. Are you stuck with prayer? Well, there is a prayer that a guy called Jesus gave you. To help you pray. And when it's from Jesus, it's pretty good. If I were to ask you the question, what attributes do you need to be leaning into right now in your life? If you were to sit there with a pen and you had these, the prayer next to you with these attributes and you, and you started to journal and reflect on these different attributes of God, I'm sure, I'm so confident for so many of you, the Holy Spirit will bring up things that you need to be leaning into when it comes to God's nature. I can never get through the prayer, I don't think, without God bringing up something. Without, I just can't. I just, just, this, there's always something I'm not leaning into enough. And I actually use this to pray for others. So if I'm thinking about someone in in the church that i'm praying for sometimes what i'll do is i'll go you know i really feel that this person in this particular season needs to be leaning into god as their forgiver or god as the and it just helps me pray for people um and we should expect that what jesus gives to his people is useful and fruitful shouldn't we and now none of this takes away from us reciting it in church none of this takes away from from you know, memorizing it and, and, and the way that it's been given to us. Of course, that's a good thing to do. But what I'm suggesting is that God intended this prayer to be dynamically used. He, he intended it for us to be taken with us wherever we go because we need help to pray, don't we? I mean, don't tell me you haven't experienced that whole 
blankness when you sit down to pray. And here we have this wonderful tool that the Lord himself has provided to help you access prayer, to help you lean into prayer. And I want you to think of it this way. So we have this um, passage that we also referred to last week, this, this great promise from God, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friend, this is a, this is, friends, this is a, a tool to help you place your hope in God in a way that is relevant for what you're going through right now. You know, if, if, if you're under financial stress, then placing your hope in the Lord means leaning to God as provider. If you're someone who is feeling overwhelmed by something, then this prayer is going to help you focus on God as deliverer. So it's a way to help you place your hope in the Lord. Therefore, this prayer is a gateway to renewing your strength. It is a plain and straightforward way for you to renew your strength regularly. If we were to look at Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I find when I go through this prayer, what it draws out is the requests I don't realise I need to ask. You know, as, as, as I go through these attributes... There's things I'm not asking God that I really should be. There's things that I'm doing in my own strength. And so as I focus on these different attributes, I find that these requests are being drawn out to me. And if requests are being drawn out to me towards God, then this prayer is an avenue for me to have peace that will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And, you know, if, if it's true that if we remain in him as he is in us, will be fruitful, then this prayer is also a gateway to me to access that. It's a way to help me remain in the Lord, remain in him as father, remain in him as king, provider, forgiver, protector and deliverer. I have found this lens of the Lord's Prayer so useful, so useful to help me pray because prayer is not easy and it would make sense that the Lord has given us a wonderful tool to help us do it. A wonderful tool to help us do it. So maybe, and we did this last week, maybe you're hearing this and you're going, you know what, I'm feeling a bit inspired to pray. I want to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that inspiration thing. Now, we've got to be careful with inspiration because the evangelical church is full of inspiration and then nothing. Right, so we're feeling inspiration. All right. So if you are feeling inspiration, could I suggest you need to decide to do something with it now? today decide to do something with it so maybe you're just going to decide i'll post this up on facebook and i'll email around this rubric if you want to use it as well in your own prayer time but maybe you're just going to i'm going to try journal with this prayer a couple of times this week so that's fine you need to decide, decide something otherwise inspiration just sort of turns it and then our everyday habits just take over because this is the thing about this series i'm trying to get us to respect the power of habits 100 percent is true your habits have a hold of you your willpower will not overcome your habits. They won't. Willpower is not enough. A decision needs to always involve a deliberate decision to attack our habits. Because the more we do something, the more we love to do something. The less we do something, the less we love to do it. So if our habits are out of whack, we need to make deliberate decision in the world of habits. So what do we do with inspiration? We decide to do something. And we are clear and we are concise and say, this week I will do this. 
Otherwise, the inspiration fades into, oh, the footy's on. I don't know what happened to the inspiration. It all went away. Okay. So we have decision, and then we need to make ourselves accountable. So the truth is, this is not something you have to do, but if, if, if I make a decision and I tell someone in this room, I, have said, I think I'm going to do this this week. Do you mind asking me about it next week? The chances of me doing it have like doubled. That's just how we are as human beings. Accountability matters. If you're in a life group here, if you tell your life group, can you ask me about this in a week time? The chances of you acting on it are just you know, so much higher than when you keep it in your own private world with no accountability. So if we are feeling inspired to pray, we need to decide to pray. We need to decide what that looks like, when in the week we're going to do it. With people, by ourselves, whatever. We need some accountability. And then you need to repeat it. Because your heart moves as you repeat things, right? So uh, the example I always give is the person who might come to a pastor and say, I tried reading the Bible. It did nothing for me, so I stopped. The thing is, that's not how we work as humans. If you do something you never do, you will find it hard to do. So you've got, to, you, you have, you've got no position to evaluate the fruitfulness of something unless you do it multiple times. Then you're in a position to evaluate how fruitful it's been and whether you need to adjust and do something a bit differently. That's, that's, about, that's what I was getting at before. We need to be like Peter. It doesn't feel fruitful right now, but you said it was fruitful, so I'm going to fish again. So I'm going to do it again because you said it was fruitful. And then we need to trust that as our heart moves in the direction God is, told, God is telling us, he's told us that if we do these habits, it will lead to strength, it will lead to fruitfulness then we're in a position to evaluate and perhaps adjust what we're doing. But friends, we need to stop thinking as a Western church that we can come and get amazing inspiration on Sunday and it will change things without the hard work of habits, without the hard work of actually doing surgery on what we do throughout the week. On what we do throughout the week. But let's finish here. If hearing and obeying God's word leads to strength of faith, then to choose not to hear and obey God's word regularly is to choose to have weaker faith. If the Lord's prayer is a gateway for us to place our hope, present our requests, to abide in Christ, if the, if the Lord's prayer is a gateway to those things, then, they are a, then the Lord's Prayer is a gateway to strength, peace and fruitfulness. And so if we choose not to pray, then we choose to be less fruitful. And if we choose not to pray, then we choose to be weaker. And if we choose not to pray, we choose to forfeit peace. What I want from this little series is for you to be motivated to say, you know what, I will build these things into my life so sustainably that they will just be part of who I am. And if they are part of who you are, the promise is your faith will be strong. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we talk about all this talk about doing and things we need to do and things you've given us to do, we don't want to lose the truth that actually it's you through us, that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And, and these are things that you want us to grow. And these are, these are practices you want us to do in our week. So we know that as we take steps 
to try and build them into our lives. We know that as we try and make ourselves accountable to our brothers and sisters, that you're, you're there wanting this to happen and empowering this process. So um, I pray that we wouldn't leave this morning with a sort of, I'm going to do it on my own. But we would just leave with the simple truth that, hey, these are things the Lord has given me. These are gifts. These are practices that the Lord has given me so that my faith can be strong, so that my faith can be resilient so that my life can be filled with his peace. May we not be so foolish. May we not be so foolish to ignore what you have so lovingly given us to help us. Help us hear and obey your word regularly. Help us pray to you regularly. Place our hope in you regularly. Help us lean into you as our father. Help us lean into you as our king, our provider, our forgiver, our protector and our deliverer. Because in you we are strong. In you we have salvation. In you we have peace. Help us build whatever we need to do in our lives to rest ourselves right in the middle of your love for us.